You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Collective Cafe, a virtual coffee experience which takes place every single Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in both Alpha Collective's Discord, that's discord.gg forward slash alpha collective and startup clubs house in clubhouse it's free it always will be free there are no strings attached there is no bait and switch lurk or listen only chat with one another in our back chat or even come onto stage the coffee shop is open for business whether you're on the treadmill getting the kids ready for school getting yourself ready for work commuting into the big bad city or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom to your home office on monday we manifest on tuesday we talk thought leadership on wellness wednesday we discuss mental health wellness and life skills on thursday we do live book reads and discussions with the author and then on friday it's no agenda friday where there is no agenda Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption, entrepreneurship or coaching. So give us a subscribe, bit.ly forward slash Collective Cafe to go, or a review on your favorite podcast platform if you're listening on demand or of course join us every day live it is addictive and remember it is a safe welcoming space and you will never ever be put on the spot this is alpha collectives collective cafe my name is joseph jaffe well good morning everybody it is friday august 11th 8 11 802 a.m and uh, we finished the week off strong with our open mic, No Agenda Friday, AMA, office hours, whatever is on your mind. I try and come here with nothing on my mind, uh, which is easy because there's not much in my mind. Um, but, uh, but I have a whole bunch of topics that just uh, jumped into me, into my head uh, right now. And um, just to set the ground rules for today, um, if you are in our Discord, our home, if you look at the link above, discord.gg forward slash Alpha Collective, this is the home of the Collective Cafe. It is the home of Alpha Collective. Um, we are here at the moment for as long as Startup Club will, will allow us to rent uh, part of their beautiful house. It's like an Airbnb type of thing. So they've given us one of their beautiful rooms in their house, and we're going to stay here for as long <clears throat> as you want me to stay here or us to stay here. They want us to stay here. It makes sense to stay here. Uh, but we do have a home where, and there's a big difference between being a landlord and a tenant. Uh, first little bit of a nugget or insight today in my fourth book, Zero, Zero Paid Media is the New Marketing Model. I really talk about this idea. I mean, it works on so many levels, right? Don't pay for attention, pay attention. But really, you know, when when you think about marketing, for example, marketing has become an expense. It is a cost center, but it shouldn't be. It should be a revenue generator. We always say that we want to produce ROI. What is ROI? Return on our investment. Um, well, that's great. So doesn't that mean that marketing should make money then? Like directly make money? Marketing should be a revenue generator. And why wouldn't it be? Why couldn't it be? But you don't get to be a landlord if you don't own your property, if you're building <clears throat> on rented land. And so uh, Discord, even though, you know, even though for the most part you could argue to a degree that Discord is also a degree of rented land, maybe we need three 
uh, different categories, right? When you rent, when you lease, uh, when you own. And sometimes you can rent to buy or lease to own. So just a couple of thoughts to kind of kick things off. And and I do welcome you into our uh, <coughs> Discord server. The reason I say that is when you are in the Discord server, if you are regular, for example, Melissa is in there right now, it's a lot easier to bring her up and invite her up for her to raise her hand. Actually, she became a barrister, which means she can actually come up herself. Um, Bez is in there as well. He's just arrived. He's also a barrister, which, you know, barrister in the coffee shop, right? Which means that they don't uh, need to raise their hand. They can just come straight up. And today on No Gender Friday, it's an opportunity for everyone who wants a voice to have a voice, provided, of course, I know who you are and there's the ability to. So we'll try and finesse <clears throat> and finagle our way through the next um, hour. It's funny, I always get a frog in my throat. Uh, it's early. It's 8.05 in the morning. Um, it's a little bit hard sometimes to like kind of, you know, clear your throat. Hello, Momo. Momo just joined us in our Discord. So, um, yeah, there's place for, for, for all of you in both, and I do appreciate all of you. So, what is on your mind? i tell you what's on my mind. I'm feeling a little down today. I'm feeling, uh, you know, kind of a little depressed. Um I am a huge English football fan, massive, and my team Tottenham Hotspur, um, it looks, I don't know, 99% certain that we're going to lose our our talisman, our, our main player, our franchise player, Harry Kane, going to Bayern Munich, the Giants in Germany. And, um, you know, I'm just scratching my head. I'm scratching my head thinking, why? Why? This is someone who um, actually started out his career um, like literally as a schoolboy, 13, 14 years old uh, at Spurs' rivals, Arsenal, he was released, he was let go, and uh, he came to Spurs, and he um, he made it all the way through the academy. Um, <clears throat> he was a nothing, he was a nobody. Spurs sent him out on multiple loans um, to uh, lower league teams, um, and somehow, you know, he got his chance, he took his chance, he became a rock star. He became one of the greatest players, certainly to play for Spurs in the Premier League, maybe even the world, arguably. Um, it, it's interesting. He became the captain. He Not only did he, did he represent his country, but he became the captain of England. He's broken almost every record except for one, which is the all-time scorer, all-time highest scorer in the Premier League. He's 47 goals away. He typically scores about 30 every every season. So he is less than two seasons away from becoming the greatest, from becoming the highest scoring player in the history of the Premier League. But the one thing that has eluded him is silverware. Spurs have just not been able to win a trophy. It has been, forget about the scourge of his existence, been the scourge of the fans' existence. You know, my son, who is 20, turning 20 next month. Uh, my son is, um, the last time we won a trophy, he was six or seven. I don't even think he remembers it properly. And uh, it's just been, the cupboard has been bare. Spurs have almost become, in a way, a laughing stock, a bit of a joke, um, because they are unable to win trophies. So he's left, it looks like. But why? To win trophies? to win silverware, they all say they want to. They want to be able to. It's it's legacy. It's cementing legacy. You need to win trophies in order to cement your legacy as the greatest. I mean, can you imagine if you think about a basketball player or a footballer or a, or a baseball player in the U.S. that has never won a trophy, never won a Super Bowl? Um, certainly Kane has won the MVP many times, but he's never won silverware. So he goes to Germany where there is one team that dominates the league called Bayern Munich. Um, and they seem to win the league almost every single year. So he most likely will win the league with them. So he's going to win the Bundesliga. But but what does that mean? It's like PSG, Paris, Paris Saint-Germain, PSG, Paris Saint-Germain, uh, if you will. They win the French league every year, but they are unchallenged. So it's almost like an empty victory, a hollow victory to win silverware in a league that's not that competitive. So there's only really one trophy to win, and that's called the Champions League. And that is the ultimate. Spurs actually made their way to the Champions League one year or against all odds, uh, but lost. 
in the final. It was a bitter, bitter, bitter defeat. Um, and and so here you have Harry Kane. The only thing he can be go- he can be hoping for. I mean, surely he's not hoping to win the German kind of knockout cup, the minor cup, or or even the league. Um, the only prize is to win the Champions League, where Bayern Munich would be up against Paris Saint Germain and Manchester City and Manchester United um, and the big clubs, the Real Madrids, the Barcelonas of the world. <clears throat> but it's not guaranteed. It's not guaranteed because the competition is unbelievably competitive. So why else would he have gone? Maybe for money? Uh, for money. But how much money do you need in life? How much money do you need in life? Um, certainly they're paying him more than Spurs could have been able to afford. But <clears throat> perhaps Spurs could have met him. Tottenham Hotspur could have met him in the middle. Perhaps they could have figured out a way to keep him for one more season, for another season, for him to break that record. It It's just confusing. It's confusing because as a fan... It's just so emotional. It's so emotional. It's so, it feels personal. It lands in the most, um, in such a way that I actually feel sad. I feel like I'm mourning a player. I feel mixed emotions. I feel sadness. I feel anger. I feel betrayal. I feel disappointment. I'm also grateful to him for his service and for his loyalty and for his professionalism. Um, but but um, it's mixed mixed emotions. And I was thinking to myself, you know, if there was a topic to kind of come out of this, why do we do the things we do? What motivates us really? What kind of a narrative are we really pursuing? Is it a narrative inside our minds or is it a narrative that, that everyone outside imposes or superimposes on us as to what defines success? Be a man, be a woman, be an adult, whatever. Be successful. What is successful? How much money you make, how many cars you drive, um, your net worth. How do we define success? How do we define enough? What is enough? When is enough enough? I think to myself here as an Englishman with a with an English wife and English kids living in England, um, and now he's, I'm not sure, he's going to live in a villa in, in Munich or outside Munich. Um, it just doesn't feel right to me. It feels wrong. It feels wrong. It makes no sense to me. It cannot be that elusive. Spurs were in the Champions League last year. Harry Kane had an opportunity to score a goal right at the end, a clutch goal right at the end that probably would have allowed us to continue moving forward in the tournament, but he missed it. And so I think to myself also, the child in me, the the, the child in me thinks to myself, well, do, you know, do I wish him well now? Do I wish him for, to win a trophy? Or do I, wish, uh, do I wish that he doesn't win a trophy? Or do, I, or do I flip it and say, I'll never support Bayern Munich. I can't hold it against him, against Harry, but I will hold it against this team. I will, I will hate this team forever with a passion. The team stabbed me in the back as opposed to Harry stabbed me in the back as opposed to, you know, but who am I? I'm just a fan. I'm one of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of fans that support this team. Or, in a bitter twist or irony, perhaps this will be the year that finally Spurs break their duck. The one year that he leaves, the first year that he leaves. Isn't that irony? Isn't that ironic? Wouldn't that be completely ironic? Isn't that Murphy's Law? Can we rename it Kane's Law? Why does life work like that? Why is, is life so cruel and twisted and and uh, an unpredictable like that. These are all the thoughts swirling in my head this Friday morning as we're still not 100% certain um, that he is, um, apparently he was at the airport, he was held up at the airport, not, not gunpoint, I'm saying, you know, he was told suddenly he didn't have permission from the club to leave, to go for his medical, so he might be on a plane right now, he might be at the airport right now, uh, waiting for his private jet, we don't know, it's like a saga, it's like, it's like a soap opera, and on top of everything, the season begins today, and Spurs' first game is on Sunday, what terrible timing, while by the way, the chairman of the club is in the US on vacation in Miami, you literally can't make this shit up. (laughs) You can't. 
Um, so I was thinking to myself, you know, when we think about mindset, when we think about um, our lives, this is a saga, right? We say sometimes first world problems. This is, you know, poor Harry Kane, poor superstar that is, you know, been, I think he's been knighted, um, is more money, you know, be at the age of 30 <clears throat> than I'll ever earn in my life, plus probably everyone here in Clubhouse and on Discord combined. And here we are, what, feeling for him? Feeling for his anguish or pain or, or, or the effect that he has on us? There's something kind of interesting here where we allow external um, events to impact on our own mental health, on our own psyche, on our own mindset, on our own mood, on our own outlook. Um, and there's a lesson, a very strong lesson for us to kind of um, be able to compartmentalize and say, yeah, it sucks, it's shit, it's not great, I don't feel good about it, but we have to move on, we have to move forward. Or, or just the fact that his life and his decisions and supporting a club actually is not um, a representation of identity or an extension of self or personality. And I think that's one of the things we have to learn as well, which is, which is, of course, we feel, of course, we connect, of course, you know, fandom is one of the most powerful things in the world, especially when we think about supporting a sports team, etc. But we cannot allow it to actually define us or become part of us, especially, especially to the adverse. I mean, listen, I would argue and say, hey, listen, if it, if, uh, if the news. Well, let's 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 do that. Let's flip the script for a little bit and just hello to Shadows Pub, who's joined us. In addition to Momo and Melissa and Bears and Jensa, uh, also hello to Jensa in Discord as well. Um, let's flip the script. Let's just say suddenly the news breaks while we're doing. I'm um, doing the Collective Cafe that Harry has decided to stay at Spurs and has said, "I am going to stay here until we win a trophy and or I break Alan Shearer's record." Um, whichever comes lost. Um, now, how does that change me? Does that suddenly motivate me to crush the day, to win new business, to sell the company, to raise the funds, to create the best content, to publish the book, to sell passes to Alpha Collective, to you know book um, uh, the speaker that I've been uh, trying to... Kevin Rose or Gary V or, um, you know, I don't know, Harrison Ford, who knows? I think when you kind of start to like flip it like that, you realize, well, no, him staying does not necessarily impact my day to the positive to the nth degree. So why would him leaving impact my day negatively to the nth degree? Neither should actually apply. It should give a little bump or a little nudge, but nothing more than that. So I wonder for you that are you know, in here today on No Agenda Friday, how do you allow outside external things that are sometimes maybe connected to uh, you know, a boss, an old you know, partner, lover, um, a community you once belonged to, good news, bad news happens to them, um, you know, something in the news in politics, uh, what's happening right now, this awful fire that devastated, destroyed an entire town in Hawaii. How do you, how do you allow um, these kinds of events, world events, local events, relationship events, um, to impact your mood, your mindset, um, things that you have no control over, and yet they have complete control over you. Um, a thought, you know, if you want to raise your hand and come up and join me, remember it is No Agenda Friday, which means um, it is an opportunity for you all to come up. Um, just say a few hellos. I see uh, Christy and uh, Bio in the audience, uh, Rafaela, Erin, uh, who else is there? Tina, Henri, Ernest, uh, Pradeep, Satish uh, in the audience. I uh, would love for someone to come up. Let me tell you, No Agenda Friday 
uh, it is unacceptable for me to be talking the whole time. That is one thing that I will not tolerate under penalty of uh, lashes. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I, I would love, in fact, oh, yeah, I remember what I normally do is I invite everyone up. Maybe I didn't do that. So inviting Bez, inviting Shadows, inviting Jensa, invite, I know some of you are out walking right now, and I get it, and Melissa and Momo, anyone who wants to come up, any thoughts, any questions, what's on your mind? You know, the other thing we do on a Friday <clears throat> is also talk about, you know, what went right this week? Uh, what didn't go right? Where did you make a couple of mistakes? Where did you fail? Where did you uh, stumble? What can you learn from it? Do you want to share? Don't you want to share? Look, I did, um, um, I did my first, um, you know, my first major uh, step towards bringing on my first client at EOS as a business leadership coach. Um, I conducted what they call the 90-minute meeting, except it took me two and a half hours. And so already I could tell, you know, using the positive intelligence, the PQ, the saboteur, the judge was already beating beating, uh, beating me up or beating up on me. The judge was already kind of saying, listen, it was a 90-minute meeting and you blew it. You blew it. You're, you're, you know, it lasted two and a half hours. That's not professional. That's bad time management. What if they didn't have two and a half hours to spare? What would have happened then? You would have conducted the meeting, and after one and a half hours, they would have said, we're so sorry, this is super interesting, but we need to go. We've got a conference call. We've got a client call. You know, we've got a meeting to attend, and I would have been there in the middle before I would have had the opportunity to deliver what I needed to deliver in terms of outlining the value proposition, the tools, um, the process, what it would be like to walk through. So immediately I was beating up on myself um, as opposed to the sage, you know, and that would have turned around and said, listen, two and a half hours, wow. And they were still, you know, kind of with you. They were still engaged. They were still listening, they were still open to that conversation, that's, that's some doing. That's a pretty amazing accomplishment to sit down for two and a half hours with no notes, with no PowerPoint, just a whiteboard, just ability and a couple of handouts to be able to talk about um, helping them run a better, a better business so that they can live a better life. How is that a bad thing? Now, of course, one of the parts in the middle, which is a very important part, is the ability to actually say, well, is there a middle ground? And the middle ground is a very simple one, um, which is the ability to say, you know, to check yourself in the middle and say, well, it seems like we're going long here. How much time do you have today? <clears throat> and, and that is your cue to be able to make sure that you don't end up in the situation where um, you run out of time so much so that it adversely impacts or affects your ability to move the conversation or the relationship to the next level. So, you know, even in that aspect, I think there's a, an interesting learning for us as well. You don't have to live on the extremes, right, of the euphoria of look how great I am, I lasted two and a half hours, or look how awful I am, I wasn't able to manage time, there's a middle ground and that middle ground is, is a simple question which, by the way, should always be asked at the beginning and then potentially in the middle. At the beginning, this is a 90-minute meeting, but just in case we go long, um, how much time do you have today? So that's how you, you tweak the next time, the second time. But how do you know? Well, you learn. You learn from the first time. You learn from the first time, which is, well, you know, I've practiced it many, many, many times. I've gone through it many, many times. But the first time that you sit down with a company, with a live company, with human beings, suddenly things change. Because guess what? They're talking. They're sharing. They're engaged. They're asking questions. They're explaining and, and helping you understand their business. That's more important than anything in the world. And so now you realize, okay, wait a second. According to my schedule, I was allocated or I should have allocated X amount of, of minutes. 
But what happens when that section goes 3x? What do you do? How do you manage it? How do you tweak? How do you figure it out? And, and the answer is, is quite simple. I mean, on one hand, you don't want to interrupt. You don't want to silence. You don't want to cut them off. If anything, you need to adjust your component, but never uh, never shut them up. Never say, well, that's interesting, but we really do need to move on. We've only got eight minutes left in the section. So you adjust in real time. That's the art of conducting a good meeting or, or getting better at conducting meetings. The ability to be able to pivot and, and, and shift and adjust, you know, kind of mid, almost change course mid-flight. Um, and so why am I mentioning all of this? Because, you know, I can sit down and I can focus on beating myself up. Uh, absolutely beating myself up about it and continue to beat myself up. Or I can already be learning. I can already be growing. I can already be thinking, what can I do differently? What can I do better? How can I improve? One of the ways of doing that is actually to ask the question. To ask the question. Now, this company, they could end up becoming a client or they could not end up becoming a client. Let's assume either way, the question still applies. Hey, I would love to know your feedback. What really, really, you know, they, they give you the business. What sealed the deal for you? What, you know, what were your concerns coming into this? And what made you decide, despite those concerns, still to end up moving forward with me? That's, that's not something we do as well. We, do, we normally, I mean, going back to that, um, to yesterday, I'm still, I'm still thinking about yesterday's book. I'm still, uh, I dare you, I'm still thinking about how I read an entire chapter about uh, about JC, uh, even though I am not from his religion, and how I managed that process and how I um, chose um, to move forward and not to uh, edit or censor or tweak my, you know, my responses. Um, but in doing that, there was so much value that came out. There was so much value that came out that I learned, not just about that whole experience, um, but also um, about the idea um, of um, that quote. I'll read it to you right now. Don't be discouraged if you fail in your first efforts. Coach Meehan of New York University says, we learn practically nothing from a victory. All our information comes from a defeat. A winner forgets most of his mistakes. Not if you actually revisit the mistakes. Not if instead of high-fiving and celebrating the victory, you take a moment to go back and say, you know, I'm happy, thrilled, amazing, but what could I have done better? How can I still move forward? What are the learnings from this moment? Did I succeed in spite of myself, not because of myself? I think it's important to do that. And the flip side applies equally so. The flip side is in defeat, being able to snatch victory. In defeat, being able to say, what did I learn that I will never, ever, what mistake did I make that I will never, ever make again? Ever. I wish I'd known about it in advance. Well, that's... That's the kind of limiting mindset, right? That is the defeatist approach. That is the judge or the saboteur being able to say, damn, if only, if only, if only, but you can't go back. You can't go back in time. What you can do is say, I've come out of this stronger than ever before. So there is victory and defeat, and there is actually defeat and victory too. The defeat comes in two forms. First of all, the failure to learn and improve the ability to become complacent, sometimes also taking actual credit for something that you didn't do or you didn't deserve. That's another thing as well. I, I used to call it, I came up with this concept called um, accidental uh, ROI. I wrote about it in one of my books. And, and I'll tell you what accidental ROI is. Accidental ROI is going into the supermarket with 55,000 SKUs knowing full well that you actually need um, toothpaste um, and just 
randomly buying the one with the shiny uh, packaging. Or maybe the sun caught, caught the eye. Uh, the sun just happened to just catch the packaging. And now you go, or what if you didn't actually even go into the supermarket for that toothpaste, but you just happen to randomly walk past and say, oh, you know what, I probably should buy packet, uh, a toothpaste. I've got a trip coming up or something like that. The issue and the, and, the, and the problem is you've got a bunch of marketing geniuses and agency creatives all high-fiving themselves um, and crediting those two shopping actions on their Super Bowl commercial or on their latest, uh, you know, I don't know, promoted tweet on Twitter, or whatever the case may be. Do they still do that, promoted tweets? I don't know. Promoted Xs on Xs? Um, That's what I called accidental uh, ROI. Which actually, if anyone should be getting the credit in that example, it's the people that came up with the shiny packaging. The kind of shiny packaging that picks up any light and you know, and, 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 and reflects that light. So I want you to also think about that as a, as a thought, right, which is, which is when we are giving ourselves credit, and we should give ourselves credit, we should always give ourselves credit, we should always pat ourselves on the back, we should never be so hard on ourselves, or if we are, we should equally be able to actually say, you did good today, you know, you did, you did all right. You, you did a good thing. You, uh, you know, today was, a, today was a good day for you. But never, ever let that get to our heads where we become too big for our, our boots, where we, we become too arrogant, we become, you know, too hubristic. But more importantly, what we're doing is we're forgetting who to give credit to or towards. And, and, and oftentimes it may not be us. It could be our team it could be luck, it could be serendipity, and of course, you know, you make your own luck, and of course, luck is preparation meets opportunity, and of course, luck is the fact that the packaging in this particular toothpaste happened to be, if it was lower, if, it, if they got, if, you know, they'd negotiated poorer, uh, you know, inferior shelf space, it wouldn't have quite caught the light or the sun or the the lighting or whatever the case may be. And by the way, the packaging itself, negotiating packaging itself, could absolutely still be based on previous sales and based on a Super Bowl commercial. So I'm even checking myself as I check myself, which is to say that accidental branding or that accidental ROI, it might actually have come from a Super Bowl commercial, but maybe not the one that that you thought. So amidst everything, can you see this interesting triangulation occurring? This idea of balance between hubris and humility, between confidence and and overconfidence or lack of confidence. Um, We've got to find the balance. We've got to find the balance. We can't live our lives and go through lives um, feeling so weak and so underwhelmed and underappreciated and too humble where we don't give ourselves credit, where we don't say, Hell yeah, that's because of me. But at the same time, there is the ability and the importance of being able to move forward. And that's the essence of it at the end of the day. Moving forward. Moving forward. Sometimes take a moment. Take a moment. Schedule time to worry. Schedule time to mourn. Schedule time to post-mortem. Schedule time to actually kind of, you know, uh, beat up on yourself. But not a lot, just a little just a little, be able to say, you know what, yeah, you, you kind of did screw up today. I mean, you did arrive late at that meeting, 25 minutes late at that meeting. And you can blame everything. You can blame yourself. You can blame your spouse. You can blame the, the accident. You can blame, you can blame whatever you want, but you were still late. How do you avoid being late in the future? Arrive early. Does it matter that you're there 30? You know, I'll tell you a story. I mean, some of you, the regulars may know the story. It's a great story. By the way, uh, do not leave me hanging. Come on. I need someone at least to come up and join me on stage at some point. I went to, um, I went to Walmart uh, for one of the biggest. I flew into Bentonville, uh, Northwest Arkansas Airport. Um, one of the biggest pitches that that I ever, I mean, pieces of business that we could have ever won at Crayon. Um, my, my social media company, which I did sell in spite of myself, I often say, and I 
which because it's true. And um we flew into uh into northwest Arkansas, <clears throat> myself and my colleague, actually uh Greg Vadino, who's gonna be delivering next week's uh Alpha Talk. Um let me give uh give that a little plug right now. It's it's gonna be an absolute he was he said to me, I won't forget the story. He said to me, um, you know what, I don't really want to give um a whole presentation. Can I just um can I just can we just do a fireside chat? Um so we're gonna talk for forty five minutes, um, which is kind of interesting and in, in a way I, I gotta I gotta be honest with you. I think the best Alpha beta talks have been fireside chats. I might even change them all just to be that fireside chat, which boosts my role for sure, um, but also recognizes my role as the ever-present, as the red thread throughout all of these speakers. So I just put that link right now into, um, uh, you can register for it, and it's called Welcome to Clown Town. And of course, the question is, who are the clowns? Are we the clowns, the DGENs? Are the clowns the marketers? Um, are the clowns uh, the SBFs of the world? Are the clowns um, the normies of the world? Um, so we're gonna we're gonna have a whole conversation about that. So Greg and I we fly into uh, into Northwest Arkansas. We arrive at like ten in the morning. Um, our actual um, presentation or our time slot we've got ninety minutes is from like two to three thirty, and then we've got a flight out at like I don't know five thirty six. So same day in and out. But we arrive at 10, we're, we're super early, we go straight to a Starbucks, we hang out, we go over our presentation a couple times, we have some coffee, and then we go next door, and I believe it was a Panera um, for lunch. And it was kind of funny because we saw many of the people of the companies we were competing against, all the big dogs, you know, the the uh, Sapiens and the um, Digitus's and the, you know, IBM's. And I mean, it was like, like really, you know, the McKinsey's, they were big companies. And we were this tiny three or four or five person, uh, little social media boutique. Um, and we have our lunch and we're checking the time and we are completely on course. Um, we know exactly, we've rented a car, we know exactly where their offices are, we've mapped it out, um, etc. And so we decide we're going to go um, and actually arrive at the um, office about 30 minutes early, 30 minutes early, um, because we heard that there's a lot of um, security. Um, it's Walmart, it's a pretty big company. So there are a whole bunch of layers and you know, and, and signing in and, and disclosures and so on and so forth. And we don't mind just sitting in the waiting room. So we go and we're feeling pretty confident. Um, you know, we're maybe the most, uh, we're, we're a pure play. I mean, we've got this massive island in Second Life. Um, we, I mean, we're, they're talking to them about social media and virtual worlds. And we're the only ones that actually have a virtual world. Um, and so we, uh, once we've done all the signing in, we call our contact um and and we're f- like feeling like very relaxed very chill and we just hear this like i heard this like unbelievable tension on the other hand and i'm like what's going on and i'd hear the words where the hell are you where the hell were you where have you been i was like what are you talking about i said we're 30 minutes early she says no you're 30 minutes late and we realize that we were, because of the time change, we had screwed up. They're on Central Time, and we were on Eastern Standard Time. And back in the day, so back in the day, we're talking, I don't know, 2000, the the iPhone only came out 2007, I believe. This is probably 2007, 2008. I don't even know if we had iPhones at the time. Um, But for whatever reason, um, it hadn't automatically adjusted, and so our watches uh, still you know, uh, or, or we had adjusted in the wrong way, but we, we had totally, totally messed up. Um, we got upstairs um, and um, and uh, there were about 19 people that were meant to be there. There were only three people left. And uh, we had like, I mean, at the time, we had 40 minutes to get through an hour and a half presentation with three or four people in the room. Needless to say, we never, ever... Uh, got the business to make things even worse 
we arrived at the airport and there were mechanical issues. Our flight was cancelled and so we had to go and, and stay in like, I don't know, Red Roof Inn. We didn't have underwear. We didn't have uh, toothpaste. Going back to the story, uh, we probably went into, we, by the way, did not go to a Walmart. <laughs> it was like, screw them. Um, so we had to go and get, you know, like a little toiletry kit as well. Um, how ironic that we ended up talking about toothpaste again. Um, and, and we had to fly back the next day. So even in that moment of arriving 30 minutes early, it still didn't work out for us. But that really wasn't even my point. You know, my point is if you do, well, okay, arrive 30 minutes early. So put the onus on yourself. You know, let the wiggle room be there. Go find a Starbucks, sit in the car, you know, do whatever. Just, you know, just go over, um, go over, hey, Praxim, uh, go over your deck, go over your presentation, read a book, uh, watch a show on Netflix, uh, meditate, um, call home. Uh, call your parents, call your kids, call your spouse, uh, find something to do for 30 minutes and don't, whatever you do, do not mess up on the time. Um, but that's how you counter that whole issue of blaming the world and the universe and energy and karma and whatever um, for that. I could not have anticipated that car accident. I could not have anticipated the car breaking down, but actually in some cases you can, right? When you get in the car driving to a meeting and, oh, oh by the way, there's no gas, that's a five-minute stop as well. Plan ahead, you know, um, and, and take the onus, take the burden on yourself um, and avoid that negative energy that comes from blaming others, even blaming yourself, blaming circumstance, just get to a position where if you lose the business in the particular case, you know what? It is what it is. Did I learn from it? Will I be stronger next time? Of course I will. And recognize that in some cases, maybe often, you lost the business for reasons that were completely out of your own hands. And that is how we spend, we dwell just a little bit of time we post-mortem, and then we move on. Uh, Praxim, you know, if you didn't come up today, I was actually going to, like, I don't know, blow up this whole No Agenda Friday and say, we're done, we're done. No more No Agenda Friday uh, if no one's coming up. Uh, but you came up. You saved everyone. You are you are our hero. How are you, my friend? I hear the trumpets heralding, you know, No Agenda Friday and Praxim on stage, you know. Good morning. <laughs> give you air horns i can't give you trumpets oh there you go well close enough you know and, and that, that's the modern you know trumpets um how was your week um anything on your mind anything you've heard today that you want to uh jump in and chat about um what stood out for me this week um it was it was interesting i've been diving into the world of scrum at uh for studies and uh being T-shaped has it really caught my attention this week. Have you ever heard this concept? No, you know, I'll bite. What does it mean to be T-shaped? So <clears throat> it's describing being a specialist and a generalist at the same time. And so you're wide and deep simultaneously, and they call it being T-shaped. It's the concept that when you truly form a cohesive team, everybody should be able to go wide and everybody should be able to go deep. And while you may not replace a engineer with an accountant, uh, everybody can contribute and be a, uh, in scrum terms, a coder. Uh, in other words, someone that does work, right? Somebody that executes. Um, but it's the concept is really resonated with me because I've used this idea of you know talking about my personality when people ask you you know describe yourself right and i tried to describe this and now i have a term for it. it's called being t-shaped i'm looking um i'm looking at google right now i love this and um i i'm i'm def i'm definitely t-shaped uh, although i was saying in the chat in discord i'm uh, people people describe me as pear-shaped um, but uh, that's another story for another day. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm absolutely that, and and it's interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna build on that just a little bit, which is um, I am T shaped, and and more often and over time, I should say, I I change the font of the T. And what I mean by that is that um, there is absolutely a common theme and thread from a generalization standpoint. And when I look back, sometimes I I might call it creativity or innovation or change or disruption uh, or digital, or as I've been doing recently and lately, realizing that actually the the generalist approach is this idea of helping uh, people become unstuck, that that really better Mm -hmm. describes me and my life and my value proposition, whether it's teaching at NYU, whether it's Joseph Jaffe is not famous, whether it's running the collective cafe, um, suddenly, it, you know, the, the book forever changed, that that really is um, what I've been doing all this time. And, and so then starting to go a little bit deeper on what it means uh, to be stuck, because you can be stuck and moving, or you can be stuck and not moving. Um, and so that opens up a whole uh, interesting ground. But then from you know, a specialist standpoint, um, I've been able to move over the years you know, through uh, digital or social or mobile or the startup ecosystem um, or you know, recently with Web3 um, and be able to play around with this idea of you know, it's funny, it's almost like a weird, it's like a weird tea. It's like a tea sometimes with multiple tails. Um, but yeah, so I, I love the concept. Um, tell us more, Praxim. Well, what you just described is in the scrum vernacular, um, again, just being exposed to it for the first time in depth is a um, scrum master, which they un- one of their goals is to unblock people and to keep them happy. So, right, you want to keep your developers, and mind you, developers mean any kind of development. It could be somebody in marketing, it could be somebody writing code, it could be somebody doing hard electrical engineering skill type products, projects. It's to unblock them, and unblocking them might be as simple as getting them a, a fan because they're too hot, or making sure uh, coffee's available, or, and these are you know, these very simplistic ideas, but unblocking can be much more complex sometimes, like uh, leadership could be blocking them or uh, uh, another impediment at home could be blocking them, right? So uh, you should definitely check out some of the uh, Scrum uh, methodologies because, wow, it sounds really similar to what you've been uh, experiencing uh, recently. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a great, I, I'm going to do that. And it's, it's been a great journey for me, this idea. And you know wh- where it came from? There's also another interesting like twist to it as well, which is you know, when I started what was then, it wasn't even called Corona TV. It was just like, oh, I'm, I mean, eventually it was, but w- very quickly. But I started this daily, um, this daily stream and then I moved to Zoom and then I was like, oh, I'm going to get a guest on my show. And then I was like, well, show, I'm going to get a guest on every day. And, oh, let's call it a show. Let's call it Corona TV. Um, but I said, like, right at the beginning um, that the show existed to help people that were stuck at home or stuck in general. And I never went back and thought about it. I never went back and realized what I'd actually um, created or uncovered, that it was right there in front of me all this time this idea of stuck at home, obviously literally because of COVID or stuck in general. And it was the stuck in general that actually became, well, if you're stuck in general, how do you become unstuck? Can I help you become unstuck? What does it mean to be stuck? And as I said, you know, stuck is not just not moving, you know, debilitated with fear, hamstrung. Um, I mean, stuck absolutely can feed into the idea of being unhappy in your job, not fulfilled, not living your why, um, not being true to yourself, all of the things, um, you know, not sure of what to do next. Or there's the other part of being able to say, I'm just running at a thousand miles per hour. So, you know, it's, it's like one of those things where, you know, if you're, um, you know, sometimes in a game of chess, 
you've got your king in the middle and you go and you're like almost stuck in moves. So you go forward, back, to the side, back, backwards, back, to the right, back, diagonal, back, other diagonal, back, other diagonal, back, other diagonal, back. And then you eventually realize I've made all these moves, but I'm still in the same place. I haven't actually made progress. So another way to think about it as well is, yeah, you can be moving and maybe that's sometimes just as bad as not moving. You're moving too fast, too frenetically. You're treading water, but you're not actually moving forward. And so what became quite apparent in this whole, you know, in the thought process is how do you define being unstuck? Or what it means ultimately is are you making progress? Are you gaining momentum? Are you moving forward? Those are the three elements. I like it. Yeah, so um, I, I got you've given me homework as if I didn't have enough um, as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think my job's done here then. I'm glad I could attend. <laughs> where, where did this concept come from, the whole scrum mentality or this whole T-shaped? Like what are the origins? Well, so, so the... the analogy that the president of that founded this scrum idea because it's a business and a idea right is that to achieve agility you have to understand works workplace dynamics teams uh execution you know why big projects fail right why why there's billion dollar projects that don't seem to get anywhere and so everybody has those right i mean those of us in you know <clears throat> that live it uh, in software development, in manufacturing, there's always improvements. There's always teams. There's always, you know, uh, especially since we started documenting it. And to me, that kind of goes along with, you know, Henry Ford and what does it mean to manufacture a, an assembly line, right? Because there's a lot of uh, how do uh, assembly lines get better and car manufacturing get better, right? So there's been a lot of focus over the years, but... Um, the most recent uh, attention is for soft companies, right? Companies that produce electronic goods, uh, digital or digital physical devices. And what does it mean to have agility in your business? You know, why does it take sometimes 200 people to get something done when 10 could have get it, get, get in the, gotten the same thing done? Boy, my language isn't there quite yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of... That's a little bit too weedy for me, like in the weeds, but I understand it. Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, um, I mean, what, what's the phrase that people use now? Multi, multi hyphenated, um, as opposed to thinking about, uh, people with ADHD, uh, neurodiverse and multi, multi, neurodivergent. Yes. That, that's the word, right? It's called multi hyphenated. Is that the word? I have not heard that one. Multi, yeah. Um, I mean, even going back to when I started in corporate America, which is a few years after you, um, I read this book um, about teams that IBM wrote. And it's like, I'm trying to think of the name. It might even be on my library shelf here. I'm seeing if I can stand up and find it. But really, it talked about what it took to have successful teams, right? And this is another evolution of that space. Like, it was one of the first times I had ever read about, um, you know, we are having uh, inborn, hardwired capability to know about 250 people uh, relatively close. And after that, people get pushed out into a broader, I know you, but I don't interact with you. And so it becomes a, a bucket outside of that close group. And so this comes from this study, and obviously it may have happened before, but where I read about it was this book, IBM written book, um, and I'll, uh, hopefully the name will come to me, uh, about what does it make to have a successful team? And they're like, limit your whole organization to less than 250 people, and if you need bigger organizations, then you repeat the 250-person structure. So, I mean, I remember reading this in, gosh out of you know kind of out of high school and into university when i first started becoming interested in this kind of stuff and i think this is just that kind of extension right well that's also uh that's also dunbar's law isn't it 
Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not. I I might have read that, but I'm not familiar with it. Can you uh, tell me more about Dunbar's law? I can. I actually have two uh, articles that I've been sitting on that I've that I just haven't published yet. Maybe I'll publish one of them today. Um, but just just to go back to um, the concept of uh, of of multi-hyphenate. Um, what is the meaning of multi-hyphenate? Multi-hyphenate, a person with a hyphenated profession. So that's one way to think about it. Oh, that's interesting. E.g. singer-songwriter. I didn't realize that's where it comes from. Actor-director, but especially a person with several such roles. Um, her list of professional accomplishments puts other pop culture multi-hyphenates to shame. Um, just looking at the um, what is... Um, so. I'm trying to see, like, for example, it says the art, it, it talks about it a lot in arts and entertainment. A person, especially a celebrity with several professions or skills, I marvel at the commonplace nature of multi hyphenates in the arts, writer, actor, director, or producer, CEO, actor. So I just want to type multi hyphenate with respect to ADHD because that's how I've been hearing it um, uh, a lot. Um, I'm going to try and see if. Um, I mean, I think we can probably infer what it means, um, but um, I'm like looking even at a at a just an article that says harnessing my ADHD strengths. Uh, let's see, um, let's see if the multi hyphenate comes from it. But yeah, I mean, uh, we can come back to that now. Dunbar's law is the law of one fifty, um, which basically oh, says, yes. you know, in a nutshell. Uh, it is, I'll read to you, it is attributed to British evolutionary anthropologist Robin Dunbar, hence Dunbar's Law, uh, who has stated that 150 people is the point beyond which members of any social group lose their ability to function effectively in social relationships. So the law of 150 um, applies in many cases to whether it's community, uh, whether it's um, you know, social networking, but also from a company standpoint, that at some point when a company, you know, becomes larger than 150, it becomes a lot harder to maintain the, that personal, that intimacy, right? Um, you know, I've seen it in a, in when I worked at Nando's Chickenland, just, you know, you start, at one point, you know everyone's name, and then at some point, you're like, who's the new guy, Right. Um, and and so you lose something in that process, and it's uh, it's uh, it's very you know very relevant to going back to built to suck because it is the number when people want to say suckage is inevitable. Um, you know we actually know um, like like how like you know let's see how big we get before we go bad. It's not a guess. We know exactly when that's going to happen, um, and the number is one fifty. So now you yes, know, now you know. I remember now where I've heard Dunbar's Law. It was from an anthropology class I took way too long ago. <laughs> well, that would explain it. But it's the same, similar concepts. Yes. Um, the other one from the 70s, it's not the one I was thinking about from IBM, but the Mythical Man Month, if you've ever heard or read about that. Um, you know, talking about how groups, as they increase in size, actually lose ability to communicate and um what's it called the mythical slow things down instead of mythical man month mythical man month like three words yeah so uh, like the taste. month of the month of man as opposed to like oh there we go the mythical man month this is a, a an, an oldie but goodie but it really talks about like oh to solve that faster just put more people on it Right, mm. but that implies that the problem can be divided. So Not all problems can be divided. So fascinating, fascinating. Um, well, this is why, um, if you are uh, in Clubhouse, left on Clubhouse, we have uh, we have about um, t uh, twelve, eleven people in the room, and uh, you know, I think my goal is at some point just being very. Uh, clear about it is that we end up with more people in discord than we do on clubhouse which is not to like poo poo clubhouse because we're committed to it but uh it's awesome we've got seven in discord we've got at the moment 12 um in uh in clubhouse we've had about 222 people move through the coffee shop uh maybe some of them were human and some of them were not human but still um we uh we hope that they're all human 
um, and it's good to see a few uh, people that are becoming uh, regulars. Uh, I know Vanessa is human because she responded and she chatted. Thank you, Vanessa. I know Rhonda is human uh, as well, and I know all the people in the audience in Discord are human. Um, it's a great way to end today. Um, wish you all a wonderful weekend. That's just, you know, throwing more bodies um, on the business or on a problem doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to solve it any better, cheaper, or faster. In fact, you may not achieve any of them as well. It it also does speak, if you just want to kind of just extend it one step further, to the power of the the David, the little guy, so to speak, the smaller business, the scrappier business. It actually says sometimes if you just give one person an opportunity and the means um, um, and the ability to shine, guess what? They may just shine, uh, maybe um, in, not, not in spite of themselves, uh, but in spite of the fact that they don't have, you know, the politics and the red tape and the bureaucracy and all the, you know, and too many, as they say, chefs in the kitchen. Um, so there's something to be said for that. Um, Praxim, thank you for uh, bringing us home. Uh, it's been a jam-packed week. Um, I have a lot of work to do, and I will continue. I will get back to the work. Um, I hope that there will be a good outcome on the um, the the ninety-minute meeting that I conducted yesterday. Um, and even if there isn't, um, I think you can already see that I've learned, and I come back stronger uh, in the future. So have a brilliant, brilliant weekend, everyone, and I will see you on Monday at 8 a.m. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.